Amen. With lifted hands, uh, we come before the Lord this morning. Amen. As we continue our study in the book of Romans, I want to go ahead and call your attention if you would open with me to Romans chapter 1, verse 18. As we turn there, and we're looking now as we've come past the introduction of Paul saying who he was, why he was writing to the Romans, and all of the context of that. We left off last week that he said he was not ashamed of the gospel. And he began to tell what the gospel was. You remember that from last week? The gospel was the power unto salvation. And he has presented that for them. And he said that, verse 17, that for in the righteousness of God is revealed. Why has the righteousness of God been revealed? Why is it that there is a gospel message out there altogether. And that's what we're going to begin looking at today. And Paul begins the excerpt that we're going to look at today talking about the Gentiles. Over the next few weeks, we're going to look at the Gentiles, we're going to look at the Jews, and we're going to look at today the wrath of God and the downward spiral of humanity. If you were to look today at the world you might ask some of the same questions I do. How did we ever end up where we are today? From God creating a perfect world that man and woman was able to walk in the garden with God, how have we gotten to where we are today? Would you say that's probably a, a pretty good question? Well, when we leave today, I believe we're going to have an understanding of that. But Paul is writing here and he's telling the Gentiles that they were without an excuse for the wrath of God that was being poured out on them. And I believe Paul could alter that just a little bit and write today that we as humans today are without excuse for the wrath of God that is in this world. If you would stand with me as we read the text, Romans chapter 1, beginning in verse 18. It says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which is known about God is evident within them, for God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made so that they are without excuse. For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man and of birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures. Therefore, God gave them over in the lust of their hearts to impurity so that their bodies would be dishonored among them. For they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worship and served the creature rather than the creator." Who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them over to degrading passions, for their women exchanged the natural function for that which is unnatural. 
And in the same way also, the men abandoned the natural function of the woman and burned in their desire toward one another, men with men committing indecent acts and receiving in their own persons the due penalty of this error. And just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, God gave them over to a deprived mind to do those things which are not proper, being filled with all unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice. They all gossip, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, without understanding, untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful. And although they know the ordinances of God, that those who practice such things are worthy of death, they not only do the same, but also give hearty approval to those who practice them. Father God, I thank you today for your word. Father, I pray now, Lord, that you would remove, Father, from our hearts anything trying to close it off. And that, Father, we would be open to hear from Holy Spirit. Lord, as we look at your word, would you teach us? Father, would you help us to understand? And, Father, I just pray that you would speak through me this morning. Lord God, I just pray everything in the precious and the most holy name of your son, Jesus. Amen. And you may be seated. As we begin looking at our text today, I want us to understand the the wrath of God. And hopefully when we get to the end, you're going to understand what this wrath is because oftentimes we perceive it may be slightly different because of the culture that we're in. But he began in verse 18 with the word for, and that's connecting us to the previous section. For, what a a big word. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven. What he's talking about is God has sent his son through the gospel message. He's telling us a way that we can be in right standing with him because currently the wrath of God is being portrayed out through the world. So the wrath of God is revealed because the gospel has presented and been rejected. So the first thing I want us to look at this morning is that the wrath of God is revealed. God isn't going to put something on us, this wrath, that he's not telling us about. And we see in Scripture that this wrath of God, it's of God, and it's from heaven. It's all about what God is because, see, we serve a holy God. We serve a loving God. You know, there are people today who want to take and they want to present God as this all-around loving God, which he is, but they don't like the idea of wrath. They don't like anything that maybe has a, a negative connotation to it. But when we understand that God loves, then we understand the need for this wrath. We all have children Most of us have at some point in time or or raise some children, and there becomes a time that you have to discipline children. Would you say that you don't love your child because you discipline them? No, it's because of our love. So the wrath of God is revealed. It's revealed from heaven and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth. This wrath is not as we think of today. When you think of wrath, or a lot of times when I think of wrath, I think of an 
outburst of anger. Someone that's just had enough and it is just an outburst. That's not what God is. God has been patient. God has waited all along and his wrath is the purpose to destroy the evil that's in the world. God's wrath, if we look at it at the forefront, what is his wrath that's being put out on humanity today? But it is abandonment. It is him leaving us to what we want. It is a distance from him while he is still there. Paul's words here are ordered very importantly. If you notice it, verse 18 It says, for the wrath of God is revealed against heaven against all ungodliness, unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth. Ungodliness, it all starts there. A rejection that there is a God and that God is in control and in order. It acts that God is not there. It's a sin against who God is. You see, unrighteousness, as we're going to look at in just a minute, is sin against other people with our relationships between other people. But ungodliness is first a sin against God, not acknowledging who he is, who his rightful place is, and what he's worthy of. And when it starts there, then it comes down. You know, if you go into history books and you begin reading, they talk about the evolution of man. Have you all heard of that? The evolution of man. We come out of some pond scum and at one day in time we were an ape and that we played around with some little sticks and as we left that we began to progress and become more and more. Do you know that that process of evolution is in direct contradictory to God's word? I'm not necessarily saying the evolution of ape to human because we all know that that's wrong. But humans have not started off wrong and going to a better state. We all started off in a good state, and through a downward spiral, humanity has become worse and worse. So it starts, first of all, with ungodliness, a rejection of God, a rejection that there's someone over me, someone who is in control. And then because I do that, I then begin to look at my fellow man and I am sinning against them. I have no reason to take toward man. I can live a life that's unrighteous. And they suppress the truth in unrighteousness. These people, the Gentiles that he's writing to, and in our day, they have no longer acknowledged necessarily that there was a a God. There's not this higher being, this one of an order. And because within us, there is an innate desire to understand that, they don't want the idea that there's someone over them, so they're going to suppress, they're going to hold down that truth. They don't want it known. They don't want it to to be in their own lives. They're perverting it. They're restraining. They're hindering what is innate within themselves so that they can be selfish, suppressing the willfulness. You can look in every tribe or every people group that's ever been, and at some point in there, you can tell that they understood that there was something else out there. 
And people, because of their selfishness, want to suppress that there's a one true God to, to be honored and worshiped. Would you agree in America today as a whole, we might say, looking at our government and communities around us, people do not want to acknowledge that there's one, only one true God, and that he is deserving of worship. The idea of someone else being over me. It's all about me. I don't like the idea that there's anyone over me, so I suppress that. I don't want anyone being in control of me. We see it all around today because you see the wrath of God is revealed. He is stepping. He is allowing people into that. And because he has revealed that, he has revealed a gospel. We're in need of a gospel because people have suppressed the truth of God. But secondly, the wrath of God is deserved. The wrath of God is deserved. Now, that's a hard pill to swallow, amen? None of us want to deserve something that we think of as wrath or negative But we see in Scripture that the Gentile people that he was writing to were without an excuse. It says that because that which is known about God is evident within them, for God made it evident to them that for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power, and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood, though, what has been made so that they are without excuse. From the very beginning of time, God created this world. God created us. There's within us an innate desire to be filled with him. But what is he talking about here? He's not talking about leading to salvation, but it is obvious if you look around that there is a creator. There is someone more intelligent than we are. There was someone that is higher and worthy of our worship. Look at how the world creates. Go out at night, friends, and look up at the stars and tell me you don't see a picture of something majestic. Look at how this world works. It spins around at just the right speed. Do you know if we were spinning any faster, we might all be slammed up against that wall? Or if it wasn't spinning fast enough, we might all be floating out there. If the world didn't orbit at exactly the right rate, we would either burn up or we would freeze. All you have to do is look at creation and you can tell that there is a divine being that created that. Look at the human body. We are created in the image of God. We're created to work a certain way. I mean, golly, God created us without an ability to have to think about breathing and making our heartbeat. Can you imagine in life, if every step you took, you had to think of every muscle that it took to move that step. At the same time, you're thinking about every muscle that must move to make you breathe. You've got to think about your heart beating, and you have to think about all these things. We wouldn't be able to go anywhere. He knew the ratio of us. He knows that our skin cells die off, and we were created that they grow back. I don't have to go out there and find another piece of flesh and put it on every time it dies. My body flows and works perfect. 
Some of us throughout life, it might not work as perfect as others, but the body itself was created. We didn't just appear. That's obvious. There's no way that a human could appear in the form that we are as perfect as we've been created without a creator. The universe couldn't be here without a creator. Step out there and look in the evening time over as the sun is setting and look at the majesty that's painted before you. It's obvious that there is something else out there, someone else, and that is the creator. And here Paul is telling them, because of this, you have no excuse to not understand that there is a creator and that there is someone worthy of worship. He's not saying here that this leads to salvation. The salvation comes through the gospel. You know what else God did to reveal his wrath? That God revealed it? He sent his son to die on the cross, a perfect picture of God's wrath. It took a death to pay the penalty. God revealed that to them. It's there. There's no excuse to creation, his eternal powers. I want to encourage you to be here Wednesday night as we're going to look at the um, invisible and the attributes of the way that God has presented himself to us. There's just a little plug for Wednesday night. You want to come and hear about that. But we're without excuse. But what did they do? Even though they were without excuse, it said that for even though they knew God there at verse 21, they did not honor him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations and their foolish heart was darkened. They knew God. This word of no God is more than a head knowledge. It was an experiential knowledge. They have experienced God. All of us sitting in this room have experienced God. Any born human being can experience a move of God by seeing what's out there. But because they refused to honor him or to give him thanks, they became foolish in their speculations and their hearts. Their hearts become darkened. Here becomes part of the wrath of God coming out. The hearts were darkened. They became unable or maybe unwilling to perceive and understand. They know it's there. There's a creator. But because I am selfish, I don't want to acknowledge that there's a God who's worthy of worship, so I'm going to suppress it down so long that eventually I am unable to understand that. You get that? That's a scary place to be to become unwilling to acknowledge that. It says they exchanged his glory. Instead of that, because we're built up to worship something, they created something. You know why they created something? Because I can worship this cup right here. Or if I make me a little clay figure and put it here, I can worship it, but I don't have to worry about what it's going to do. I don't have to worry about being responsible to that cup, that cup's going to be there whether I do anything or not. I don't owe that cup anything. They created. When you look into the Greek uh, culture, they created gods in the form of humans. Zeus, 
Artemis, Diana. We've heard of all of these Greek God names. It's things they've created because there's something in them. They understand something needs to be worshipped. They want to worship it, but they want no responsibility to it. Man, how is that? Can we see that today? I want a paycheck, but I want to work for it. Just give me a paycheck. We want to worship something. We want something, but we don't want to be responsible for it. I like how one put it. It says, because they willingly refuse God's self-revelation, their whole intellectual and emotional life became clouded. Their capacity to respond to God was diminished, and they were less able to function as rational human beings. Here we go. Remember what I start off? How did we get where we are today? How in the world can people that we see on TV really say what they say? How can these people believe what they believe? It's uncomprehendable to us because we're Christians. But they have suppressed it so long, and they no longer want to honor that person that they have become to a point that it doesn't even make sense. How can they do that? Because they don't want to accept the truth. It started by a rejection of God and then a rejection of our right of how to treat each other. And we're going to see that more in just a moment. And he begins to talk there that they exchanged, they traded out. They traded out worshiping an incorruptible God, a God that can never go away. Amen. The God that I serve, the God that you serve, he's always been. He always will be. He is a loving God. We know who he is. He's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. The Bible tells us that. We know that he loves us as we talked about. Look at creation. I probably said this before, but I believe God so loved us that he gave us vision and color. Do you know God could have made us to not see anything? I mean, we could live life without seeing. He could have let us see everything in black and white. But no, he loved us enough. He wanted to see us majesty that he dipped that paintbrush in color and he paints that sky. He paints everything around us. But because they refused to worship that, they created something of their own that's going to go away. It's not going to always be there. This cup will eventually one day disintegrate. If I create my clay figure and it gets too hot in here, we're going to come back next week and he's just going to be flat up here on the podium. If it gets too dry, he's going to crumble and fall apart. And you know what? That cup and that clay figure I've created can't do a thing for me. But the God that we worship, the living God, loves us. So what is this wrath of God? How is it that the human society has been on a downward spiral? Let's look at the wrath of God inflicted. He's writing to the Romans. Paul is. He's writing to the Greeks. He said, here's the lifestyle that you're living right now the lifestyle of creating gods, and then the Egyptians create uh, gods in the image of animals. It talks about that in verse 23. And we know that when the Lord brought them out of Egypt and he did the plagues, those plagues were in direct contradiction 
to their gods. The insects, the locusts, the sun, the moon, all of these things. But what happens, what is the wrath of God? Look, because of this, verse 24. Therefore, God gave them over in the lust of their hearts. You want it? Have it. I've done all that I can. Evil's prevailing. I've put an innate desire in you. I have given you no excuse through the creation that I have done, and you still want to do this. So he gave them over to the lust in their hearts, that self-indulging craving, a lust to displace the affection for God. We should love God from our heart, our inner man, down inside who we are. But since they refuse to honor God, their hearts, who they were, are no longer in tune to God, but in tune to what their will is, to the lust of their hearts, to impurity, so that their bodies would be dishonored among them. God created us to live a certain way. Yes, God puts up some rules and guidelines, but do you know that's not for a negative sense? It's for our benefit. We're going to look at it in a little bit. We're not going to go into much detail, but when we live a life in sin, it affects our body. Go to the hospital and look at people who have chosen to live a lifestyle contradictory to God. Hospitals full of them. He inflicted that on them. He allowed them. He gave them over for their hearts. It says, for they exchanged the truth of God for a, a lie, taking and deviating what's to be, taking and deviating what's in our heart to worship the creator, and instead their hearts want to worship the thing that they created. Create, worshiping the created versus the creator. God also gave them over to degrading passions. Look at verse 26. For this reason, God gave them over to degrading passions, for their women exchanged the natural function for that which is unnatural. And in the same way also, the men abandoned the natural function of the woman and burned in their desire toward one another, men with men committing indecent acts and receiving in their own persons the due penalty of their sin we've moved from first of all the ungodly those saying there is no god to now to the unrighteous the act of relationship to other people these next two points are the degrading passions he says for the exchange the natural function we're not going to get scientific here. We're not going to go into a big lesson on this. But God created a man, amen, and God created a woman. And he created man to live a certain way. He created a man with certain parts for a reason. He created a woman. A woman is different than a man. He's created a, a man and a woman to come and to live together, not two men, not two women. The, the natural function, the attributes, as one put it, I like this, the attributes and purpose which are proper in the view of one's origin. 
I don't care what they say today. I don't care what surgery you have. I don't care what letters you want to put behind your name. I don't care what your birth certificate says. The DNA of your body says you're either a man or a woman, period. That's it. And God has created us that way. And because people no longer want to see God as a creator, they want to do things their own way. And they're going to take and they're going to do things they're not supposed to. Women with women, men with men. It serves no purpose. You know, God created a man and a woman for the purpose of what? Recreating more men and women. Two men will never create another person. Two women will never create another person. It is in direct opposition to what God said was natural the way that he made them. And it moves even beyond that. Well, some people say, well, how can God blame them? He made them that way. No, sin entered in and it changed things. But it moves on more than that. Well, what about people who have, are Christians and they go into this lifestyle? I don't believe that they go into this lifestyle, as some may call it. But it's more than that. Why is God letting his wrath come out? You know, God knows all. But look at this. Let me read this to you. Verse 27, in the same way also the men abandoned the natural function of the woman and burned in their desire toward one another. They became aroused or excited in feelings toward one another. A man excited about another man. A woman excited about another woman. But it, it moves on and it talks about that desire. Here's the key I think that we need to understand is that desire is a craving, especially that refuses to subside until it's fulfilled. A passion, a desire that burns until it's satisfied, until it's fulfilled. Is someone a homosexual because once they had a thought about another man? No. Is someone a homosexual because they burn in a desire to be with another man and it's never satisfied until they do it? That's the difference. That's what God's talking about. We're no longer burning in a desire for God. They're burning in desire for the unnatural. They're going against what God created not acknowledging that there's a creator to acknowledging what they want, the self. It says that their due penalty is coming. It's what is unavoidable, determined prior to the circumstances. And it talks there that the person's due penalty of their error, perverting something by turning it to a wrong use. Their error, God created man and woman to be together. And their error is taking man and man and woman and woman, putting them together and saying that it's good when it's not. Because they so burned in their heart with that, God gave them over. He said, if that's what you want, there you go. What about the third time we see those words? Look at verse 28. And just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, he gave them over to a deprived mind to do the things which are not proper here we go the unrighteousness the dealing with one another you can look at that list in fact just listen to them let me read through them real quick because i want you to know them beginning in verse 29 being filled with all unrighteousness wickedness greed evil 
full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice. They're gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, without understanding, untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful. Did I just read the Shreveport Times? I mean, look at the newspaper, every one of them. The downward spiral of humanity began by not acknowledging that there's a God or a creator and that our relationship with him is wrong. It makes our relationship wrong with people. You know, if our relationship is right with God, we can have a right relationship with people. But here it is, and we're seeing it more and more. And unfortunately, the closer we get to the end times, the more we're going to see these things. I mean, greed, evil, murder. Every day at Shreveport, someone else shooting someone else. All, all around the world, we see this murder, strife, people of deceit, slanders. You can't turn on the TV. One news station ain't talking about the other one, or this person's not talking about the other person, trying to slander each person that's out there. Boastful, look at me, they're haters of God. Our, our government today is hater of God. They try to suppress it, push it down. Come on, they even want to try to remove it off of the money. They don't like it. They don't want to acknowledge it. They don't want you to acknowledge it. And do you know, the less it happens, the less people know. You know, we're only, what the, I hear, we're only one generation away from a godless world. You know, the more it's suppressed and less we talk about it, then the next group comes in and they know less and then they suppress it and it just goes down from there. Inventors of evil, disobedient to parents without understanding. They've so long suppressed it that God has given them over that they don't even understand. They're not trustworthy. They're unloving and unmerciful. Verse 32, I believe, really caps where we are today. And although they knew the ordinances of God, that those who practice such things are worthy of death, they not only do the same, but what? But also give hearty approval to those who practice them. They give hearty approval. It's been suppressed long enough. We still hearing constantly about this lay, gasby, and trans, I don't know, now they added more letters. There's so many letters that you can put behind it. And you know because they don't want to feel that they're wrong because they are wrong. They don't want to feel that they're living a life a lie, which they are because it's not the way they were created. That now we're going to pass laws that say it's right. And move even beyond that, we're going to pass the law and say you can't say nothing negative about it. You can't say it's wrong. Well, come arrest me. Amen. The Bible says that it's wrong. And because we have refused to acknowledge a God, the Gentiles have come down and have become deprived in their own self. They have suppressed it so much, and they don't want anyone else to do it. And they're going to say yay to those of you who do. I mean, we could go back, what, several years ago with the, the baker of a cake. He owned his own business, lost everything he had because he wouldn't make a cake for a gay couple. They said that was wrong. You have to do it. He refused. 
I know of others who have lost jobs because they refused. You see, it's not a let's get along. You know, I love to hear, I don't know if love would be the word, it amazes me to hear when you talk with people on the opposite side that they say, okay, let's just agree to disagree. Have you ever heard that? Let's agree to disagree. But by golly, you disagree with them and it's a different story. You can't disagree with me because I'm right, they say. I'm going to go and create a law to make it where you can't say that or make a law that says it's okay. I remember it wasn't but about a year or so ago we uh, had a wedding in here and a couple was getting married and the father was a, a preacher and he was marrying them and they come to me with the wedding certificate trying to figure out how it said because do you know it didn't have groom and bride? It had partner and partner or spouse and spouse. Something was, they've changed the law. They've even changed a certificate. Now, that's only a legal thing. With God, it's still the same thing. It's one man and it's one woman. But because they no longer wanted to acknowledge God, he deprived their mind. He let them have over to a mind that wouldn't understand. I hope I never reach or I hope none of your loved ones ever reach that point. As believers, we're in God and he fills us. But Paul is writing here to the Gentiles, and here's why he's writing, because the wrath of God is being revealed because God has made himself evident to everyone. There is no one who is without an excuse to understand that there is a creator and that there is someone who needs to be worshipped. He did it through creation. He did it within an innate desire within us. The gospel message has been presented because the wrath of God is evident in this world. And we're going to look, as I mentioned, over the, the next few weeks about this wrath. And we're looking at the Greeks here. The Jews aren't going to get off. We're going we're to look at them as God writes to them and to everyone you know, that's the reason that the gospel came into to play because there are people who need to understand that there's something different than what the world's putting out there. The gospel was shown to man because the wrath of God. God's love cannot be around evil and God wants to do away with the evil and he does that by Handing people over. Well, is that right of God to do that? Can God really do it? Well, God's the creator, but God's been trying everything he can to get humanity to worship him. He provides everything for us, but God gave them over. He's let his wrath enter in. Would you bow your heads this morning? Father God, we just approach your throne now, Lord, and we say thank you.